Welcome to the Everything Building Envelope podcast. On this show, we discuss topics relating to the exterior building envelope, such as waterproofing, glazing, cladding, roofing, and more. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. For previous episodes, show notes, and bonus video content, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com. Now, here's your host for the Everything Building Envelope podcast, Paul Beers. So welcome, everyone. Welcome back to Everything Building Envelope podcast. This is Paul Beers. Today, we have as our guest, Bob Ford with Eastman Chemical Company. Bob, thanks for coming on today. Well, Paul, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you this morning. Um, You're with the Advanced and Material Interlayers, is that right? Correct. Uh, The AMI group with Eastman Chemical. And basically what that is, Paul, is that's the interlayer division of Eastman. Um, Eastman acquired Solutia, which many of our listeners may recognize um, as a brand name of PVB uh, back a few years ago. And so we now are uh, owned by our parent company, Eastman, and I'm within the interlayer division. And of course, the interlayers are for, you know, for what we're going to be talking about today is laminated glass. That's correct. Um, several applications we'll go into. Um, obviously, our podcast here is more architecturally oriented, so that will be the focus. Yeah, so when I have, you know, people asking me, customers or lay people or whatever about laminated glass, I always say, hey, you know, it's the stuff that's in your car windshield, basically. Exactly, and, uh, exactly. And, and then they get it. No, I was going to say, it's interesting, the, a lot of the applications we have within the automotive market have actually moved beyond the windshield, and uh, we can touch on that here this morning. Okay, yeah, that is interesting. So, but before we do all that, why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about uh, who you are and then, you know, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I've been in the glass industry a little over 15 years. Um, I've worked for both the fabricator side of the market with Interpane Glass, uh, back in the early 2000s, and most recently with Viracon, where I was their uh, North Florida and Alabama architectural rep about the last six and a half years. But Viracon certainly is one of uh, Easton's biggest customers, as are Old Castle and True Light and other um, glazing fabricators within the United States. So within Eastman, as I mentioned, um, I'm in their advanced materials division, and I handle accounts on the East Coast of the United States and Canada, and basically work with the laminators to help them use our products more efficiently and get them into the market. Great. So let's just jump right into laminated glass. So we talked about this a little bit, but let's just kind of um, talk about it. You know, go, go back, just run through the basics so that the listeners are on the same page with us. So what is laminated glass and and how is it made? So laminated glass is a composite material that consists of two or more layers of float glass. They could be various thicknesses, um, eighth inch all the way up to half inch lights. And then the inner layer um, acts as the, uh, the glue or the sandwich in between the layers to form a cohesive unit. So the process basically starts with laying up uh, two or more lights of glass with an inner layer in between them. Um, That inner layer can be PVB, uh, it can be ionoplast, or it can be glass-clad polycarbonate. Um, Laid up in between the lights of glass, it is then run through um, an oven and a nip roller, uh, which heats the glass to about 160 degrees, and then compresses it through the nip roller somewhere between 80 and 110 PSI. 
So once the glass unit comes through the nip and the oven process, it's then placed in an autoclave where it's in there for about three hours. Um, there's about an hour of ramp up time. Um, it's held at a temperature somewhere between 275 and 300 degrees Fahrenheit for about 45 minutes. And then the glass is cooled. And what happens on the other side of that is a piece of glass that has very special properties. Uh, the biggest thing being in most of the applications that we're going to discuss is that that composite retains glass shards and pieces should the glass be broken. When we talk about laminated glass, that's not just all this stuff glued together, is it? Well, the laminated glass that we'll talk about is, if you say glued together, um, you know, the glass is laminated and then autoclaved together. So, yeah, it could be a, a 916th piece of glass. Um, they can be used in an insulated unit. Uh, down here in Florida, where I am, the hurricane code requires laminated glass, but the energy code often needs you to have an insulated piece of glass as well. So we can incorporate a laminated unit of glass um, into an insulated application. Sounds like there's a lot of our study. But what I, what I was trying to get at was when you think of taking all these, the inner layer and the two lights of glass, and you go through this process, it's not just like it's adhesively stuck together. I mean, I've, I've, I know I've seen where you, people try to pull it apart and it's like all integral together. That's correct. Yeah, it isn't anything like um, applying a glue or anything like that, and then it wears out over time or it can be pulled apart. When the glass goes to this process, um, the inner layer binds with the glass, and basically what you have is a new product. It's a, um, a composite product with, um, with properties that make it uh, stronger as well as much safer than standard flow glass. So we, we, we talked a little bit at the beginning about the applications being automotive and architectural. And I, I'm interested, and I'm sure the listeners are, about, about the automotive uses, just kind of a quick summary, just so we, we understand where things are there. Because a lot of stuff probably crosses over or will cross over into architectural, and then we'll, then we'll jump in on the architectural side. Well, that, it does. A lot of the applications are similar in principle. So as I mentioned on the onset, um, automotive really began in the windshield. Windshields with gradient bands are still probably our largest volume uh, market. And the way we go to market with that is we'll, um, we'll work with big laminators like Carlex or AGC, who then will sell that product to Ford or BMW or whatever automobile manufacturer there might be. And again, windshield still volume and important, but even that has changed. A lot of vehicles right now have heads-up displays, and a lot of our newer projects and our most interesting projects are actually within HUD units. And basically what the PVB does is it allows, or rather I should say prevents a ghosting of the image. Um, within a heads-up display, there's a small projector, which um, projects various information onto the windshield of the car. And what the HUD does is it basically, the HUD PDB will allow that image to be more sharp for the driver and prevent ghosting along the edges. Um, in other parts of the vehicle, acoustics is one of the, the biggest growth areas that we see in automotive PDB. For a while, architectural, or excuse me, um, acoustic sidelights were kind of a, a premium product on only the higher end models of cars. Now we're seeing acoustics um, throughout the offering of, of automobile manufacturers like Ford, for example. And a lot of that growth, Paul, is really from the fact that, you know, with our cell phones now and being safe, um, hands-free 
driving and hands-free communicate not hands-free driving, but hands-free communication with your phone is very important. And in order for that to happen, where you're speaking into the cabin of your car and you're listening on the speakers, you need a quieter cabin. So that's where these uh, acoustic products have really helped to make the, the cabin quieter and to allow um, hands-free devices to work more effectively. Yeah, and you know, we talk about crossing over into architectural markets. I know acoustics are a big, getting more, you know, as, as things urbanize, as areas, you know, the, we have more people on the planet, acoustics is becoming more and more important in the architectural market as well, which is where laminate glass began even before the hurricane markets, you, you would they were using it in airports and, and things like that. So are there any other crossovers from automotive that, that are that we're seeing now or that we may see in the future? Yeah, I think acoustics is probably um, the biggest one that kind of translates back and forth. Um, if you think of the idea of a windshield, that if something is to, is to hit it from the outside, obviously the driver doesn't want glass flying into their face or the passenger's face. So the fact that the laminated windshield will retain those glass pieces, that thought process, if you will, translates into um, security as far as bomb blast. It transfers to hurricane applications as far as keeping the building envelope intact and not allowing glass to fly into the building. So I would say the, the basic technology of the, of the laminated glass is probably the biggest crossover. Getting more specific to that, I would say, yes, yeah, acoustics. And that's becoming a more um, a growing segment of our market as well. Uh, I think something like 90% of the world's population inhabits 10% of the land. So that automatically is going to bring us toward people in closer proximity together. And uh, though we love our fellow man, we sometimes like a little bit of privacy as well. And as you mentioned, in, in highly urbanized, urbanized areas, high-rise buildings, the use of acoustic glazing is more important um, because it does provide more occupant comfort, and it also increases the sellable cost of buildings and rental spaces. Um, if, if these buildings have acoustic, better acoustic performance, um, it's just a more pleasant place to live, and, and the owners can get more money for that. I've got a, a future guest coming up that's going to be talking about retrofitting um, hotels, and one of the big drivers for them is the acoustics and that, like they did a job I know they were telling me about in New York City where they retrofitted the windows with laminated glass and it made a huge difference for them and for the property it was you know they got they could they could get a return on their investment just because they had better rooms and they could basically charge more money for them so that's correct and i think the same uh design thought goes into hotels that are located in or near airports. Obviously, with jets taking off day and night, you typically see some really aggressive acoustic applications there. And within, within the acoustics, the way PVB works is it basically breaks up the sound wave. Uh, glass itself is fairly rigid, so that rigid medium is going to transfer that sound wave pretty cleanly. The PVB is a softer material than the glass, so it disrupts that wave provide dampening, and that's what is where a lot of the benefit of laminated glass comes from, is it's not only a thicker makeup and a bigger barrier to get through when you combine two pieces of glass versus one, but you also have that dampening effect as well. So let's run through the list of the, you know, the architectural uses for laminated glass, why they're, why they're used for various different effects. 
and then we'll go back and visit each one and talk about that a little bit more. So what's the, what's the big list of um, the, the reasons to use laminated glass? Well, we like to, uh, within our, our company in the industry, we like to refer to them as, um, as the six S's. And that would be uh, security, safety, sound, solar, storm, and style. You know, with a lot of the, um, the low E coatings out there that a lot of our fabricators produce and use, solar is probably a little bit uh, lower on that list because, frankly, low E coatings do a much more efficient job of, of controlling solar heat gain coefficient and, or solar heat gain. Um, however, on the security side, that's probably one of the most, unfortunately, growing trends right now as far as bomb blast goes and forced entry. But safety, uh, also very important too. Safety is probably the most generic usage. Um, when we're in a building and we're talking about safety glass on the interior, um, you know, our ANSI uh, Z91 standard allows us to use just regular tempered glass so that if that glass breaks, it will break in very small pieces and won't seriously hurt anybody. But laminated glass also qualifies as a, as a safety glazing. And again, like many things we'll talk about today, um, the ability of the inner layer to retain the pieces of broken glass um, make it ideal for a safety application. You know, the, uh, the six S's, what I was just thinking about when you were going through them is, if you, let's say you pick one of them, say, let's just say safety, you get the other five S's along with that in some degree on every, on every single application, but do you not? Well, maybe not storm because that's, that's designed specifically for that, but you get a lot of the, a lot, if not all the other S's every time you use laminated glass, do you not? That's a great point, Paul. You're absolutely right. So let's talk about, um, as an example, one of the most rudimentary makeups that we'll have um, for a laminated glass unit. So two pieces of quarter-inch glass, with a 60 gauge PDB inner layer. And that, that product is fairly typical for both safety applications, as I mentioned earlier, interior partitions. It can be used for handrails. Um, from a blast standpoint, you know, 060 PVB probably covers the majority of blast requirements for courthouses and airports and other buildings like that. Obviously, there are some specialty buildings like embassies that have higher degrees of blast requirements to them. But if you have a piece of 060 uh, PVB in your glass, you have basically what's in, I would argue, 70% of the blast application out there, which is just 060 PVB. As far as sound goes, uh, 060 PVB will provide a, a very good improvement in STC or sound transmission class when compared to, uh, say, quarter-inch um, float glass. And then finally, with style, um, when I refer to style, I sometimes speak about the colors that are, are available within the uh, PDB family. Uh, most of us who deal with float glass every day know that if we're buying float glass, we're kind of limited to greens and blues and grays. Uh, most of the major float manufacturers out there, even their specialty products, um, Guardian's Crystal Gray or or PPG Solar Blue, um, are basically in that blue-green-gray family. Uh, within SafeFlex PVB interlayers, uh, we have reds and yellows, and which can be combined um, over 10,000 different colors available to provide a myriad of colors, uh, oranges and lime green and bright reds and different shades of blue that typically aren't offered in float glass colors. So when we speak about style, 
Um, that's kind of what I refer to as color. And again, all of those can be combined with our standard clear PDBs to build up makeup that would be appropriate for a hurricane application. We have a lot of architects in our audience, I know, and, and this color discussion, I'm sure, is going to excite and interest them a lot because it can take you out of the ho-hum, as you say, blue, green, gray spectrum, and pretty much give you anything you want. Is that true? Yeah, it really is. The different base colors that we have really allow you to um, mix and match. And uh, we have a website, vansiva.com, that your audience can visit. And you can see the various base colors that are available. We have earth tones as well as more vibrant colors. And by putting up to four layers of these colors together, you can literally create thousands and thousands of different shades. Um, add to that, we also have products that provide opacity, or I should say inner layers that provide some opacity to glass. So if you have an area um, where you need privacy, you still want to get some natural light in through the window, but you want to have an obscured view. Our cool white and Arctic snow inner layers, for example, will allow you to, I guess, diffuse the light is the best description. And they can also be combined with color. So you really have quite a few options if you're an architect to, to go beyond the standard palette of our greens and grays and blues that you find in float glass. Really exciting. One thing I want to just jump back on that, that, that I had thought about when we were talking before was you mentioned the solar, that the low-E coatings do such a good job these days. And you can have low-E coatings in a laminated glass unit, correct? Yes, that is correct. Most of the time, and if we're talking for the majority of the country that's using, from the hurricane standpoint, you are required to use insulated glass. So the basic makeup would be your quarter-inch outboard light with your low-E coating on the number two surface that's up next to the airspace. You then have your half-inch airspace and then your, your laminated unit to the inside. However, Paul, there are also applications where we want to use a 916th light of glass with a low-E coating and an inner layer. And in those cases, yes, um, PVB inner layers can be put right up against um, many of the low-E coatings that are offered in the market from manufacturers like Guardian, Viracon, or PPG. Yeah, so not everything always works, but, but a lot of it does, and, and you would, so architect or specifier, would work with these manufacturers to find out exactly what they offer in that regard, correct? That's correct. Yeah, it would, um, again, depending on the, the performance required in your building, um, as far as U-value goes or solar heat gain, um, and the colors that you want, because um, as we know, our low-E um, coatings will impart a color. So we often um, have a little caveat that if an architect wants a, a red accent piece or a yellow accent piece, make sure they get that, um, that sample with the low-E coating in place. Because as you know, a lot of our low-E coatings that are more popular today, particularly the triple silver coatings, um, lend a little bit of a green hue to the glass. And um, that's where you know, um, we want to have a sample or a mock-up done before so the architect knows exactly what they're getting. Um, and Paul, that kind of segues me into another area that, um, speaking of that green hue to the glass, I know a lot of our audience are trying to find coating and glazing solutions to kind of get rid of that, that green. So a lot of low iron glass is being used in the market today. And um, we actually have a, a structural product that um, is intended for use with low iron glass that 
um, goes more toward a, a slightly blue cast rather than a green cast and uh, looks really, really nice when using low iron substrate. And low iron, just, just so everybody, we're, we're all on the same page here, low iron is like super clear glass. Is that Would that be the right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. You might hear the term uh, ultra clear. And basically the process is that um, it's, it's further refined from standard clear glass where more of the iron is removed. It's the iron um, in the glass, particularly when it's heat treated, that kind of gives us that, that greenish hue. So when we pull more iron out of the, out of the float batch, we can get a, a low iron product. And all of the, um, the major float manufacturers out there do offer a low iron product. You may have heard of, uh, you know, PPG's product is Starfire, um, for example. So different manufacturers have their, their different low iron substrates in the market. Now, I just want to throw this out there, not, not to be a downer, but, um, but it is more expensive also. It is um, kind of that uh, you get what you pay for. And yes, the so low iron glass typically will add in a state, if you're using two, two units of it, uh, or two pieces rather than a typical one inch makeup, um, you're going to be looking at uh, somewhere around, you know, a dollar to a dollar 25 a square foot uh, premium for each of those lights of glass. And I have to say, so, so I've worked on a, a lot of projects with GCI consultants where we've looked, where the architects have looked at low iron, and in the past they've and they've been budget busters. They have a budget, they want the low iron glass, and then they get the prices and they can't afford it. But the, it sounds like the delta has come down a lot. If it's only a dollar, dollar fifty a square foot, it used to be a lot more than that. Yeah, Paul, actually, I think as I'm looking, I think I actually misspoke there. Um, I want to say that Delta is closer to $2 to $2.25. The other thing I was going to circle back to here when we're talking about laminated glass and in a safety application is heat soaking and being able to prevent nickel sulfide. And the heat soaking aspect of it is more the dollar to dollar 25 a foot. You are correct, and I did misspeak, that the uh, low iron glasses are typically $2 to $2.25 a foot premium based on a quarter inch um, substrate. So that was, uh, that was uh, my mistake. No, that's fine. Um, but even that is, has come down from, I think, what it used to be. So, so I think there's more possibilities out there to maybe use that. And I know a lot of architects like that, not having the, that kind of uh, that color influence that they're not looking for. So that's good information. And especially if you're looking at, um, you know, you look at the cost of the entire laminated unit. I mean, a, a piece of inch and five sixteenths laminated glass, depending on the inner layer um, and the low E coatings in the substrate, it's maybe anywhere from, you know, 20 to 25 bucks a square foot. So if you look at it from that aspect, um, the delta for the low iron is not quite as big a jump as far as the percentage of the whole unit is concerned. That's right. So let's talk about security a little bit more, blast and forced entry. You know, and the, the blast thing, unfortunately, has become a lot more prominent over the years with the, the, the world events, I guess I'd call it, being what they are. Um, the forced entry, I don't think it's enough, laminate glass gets enough credit for how it performs in that regard. And, and if you just think about it, typically like a storefront, you know, a shop, you know, the, the thing in the past you would always have would be a tempered glass unit and temp, this is not, this is a mischaracterization, but, but I think everybody gets it. Tempered glass I describe as the glass that breaks into a million pieces. 
So if somebody breaks the glass, it's basically on the ground and there's a big hole in the building and laminate glass, what happens there? Well, that, that's an excellent point. So, and this is something that I think a lot of um, like my folks, for example, about two years ago had, they lived down in Fort Myers, so they had hurricane glass windows installed in their home. You know, I think they were just thinking, yeah, it's, you know, we'll be safer in a storm, but as a secondary um, benefit of it is absolutely the, the prevention of forced entry. To go through a piece of tempered glass with a blunt object is fairly easy to do. I mean, tempered glass is as we know, is twice as strong as heat strength and glass, which is twice as strong as regular folk glass as far as blunt impact. But you can, you can break it fairly easily with, with a bat or some other implement. Laminated glass, on the other hand, um, you can go at that for, for 20, 30 minutes, and you're not going to make any kind of sizable hole in it. And the other thing is that, you know, in most areas where the, this glass is located in residential areas, you know, someone banging away at your sliding glass door with a piece of laminated glass is going to draw a lot of attention. So um, as a secondary kind of passive benefit, that, that security and, and uh, safety from fourth century standpoint is um, one of the very little thought of features of it, but absolutely is one of its strongest attributes. Yeah. And, you know, I always said, because we were back, back in the, when the hurricane market was developing, we were talking about the other benefits of glass. And you know, basically what was being said back then was, if you have a, um, I guess we call it an opportunistic thief who's gonna try and throw a brick through the window or hit it with something, they're gonna get tired and go somewhere else because they're just, it's just not gonna work out, go, go well for them. Correct, and particularly in Florida where you have a lot of, a lot of part-time residents down here and a lot of houses that are basically, um, you know, no one's living in them for several months out of the year, those might um, possibly be a, a, victim, a, um, a target for some thieves. But again, that, the forced entry resistance of even regular 060 PDB, um, if most people are having laminated glass in their one or two story homes, they, they have likely 090 PDB or an even stronger inner layer. Unless you have really specialized cutting tools and saws and things like that, um, the average opportunistic thief, as you say, is not going to be able to um, make any kind of uh, entry through a window like that. So people are thinking, well, what about if there's a fire? How, do, how, does, how does the fire department deal with that? And they do have those sophisticated tools you just referenced, correct? They do. They do. Yeah, you can. I mean, the, the glass, obviously, like uh, anything else, does have its limitations. I mean, for a thief with a crowbar or a baseball bat or a brick or a rock, yeah, he's not going to have any luck getting through it. Uh, firemen, however, they have special equipment which basically allows them to saw through the glass, much like they would go through any other kind of um, wall, and uh, and create an opportunity to get in or out of the uh, the structure. So, uh, yeah, from a firefighting standpoint, they all carry that type of equipment on board so they can get through those um, that laminated glass fairly quickly. Average thief doesn't have all that in the in the uh, trunk of his car. <laughs> Yeah, you, no, no, no. My my hope is that we don't have any thieves listening to the podcast. So, <laughs> um, but you know, another thing they the fire um, the fire department can do is they can chop through it with their high tech axes as well. Correct. You know the the, the thing with with the security application. This is going to segue us into talking about storm as well. Is that it provides passive protection and maybe you could talk a little bit about that because that's a really big deal as well 
Yeah, so again, one of the nice things about laminated glass um, is that it's always there uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Particularly for a storm application, um, the alternative products uh, as far as opening protection may include, you know, boarding up your house with plywood, um, putting up hurricane shutters, things like that. But those do have their drawbacks. Uh, first of all, is that if you're boarding up your house for the, uh, you know, for the winter to, or the summer rather to go back north, uh, it's pretty obvious to people looking at your house from the outside that you're not home. Um, the other aspect is that during a, um, the difficulty of storage and putting up those shutters every time a storm comes in um, can be a bit difficult, particularly uh, for some of our older population that doesn't want to be up on a ladder or pulling these heavy pieces of metal or, or vinyl or other materials out of their garage. So laminated glass is always in place. Um, it's always there working, and it, it's just a, a very logical um, solution, particularly, um, you know, Florida has a lot, of, uh, a lot of retired folks down here, and that's just, it gives them good peace of mind that their home is protected from a variety of, uh, of threats. So I live in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, and I've had this house that I'm in now for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. It was built to the new code, and it was provided with removable storm panels, which work very well. But I have to tell you, every time a storm comes, it's a major undertaking to get them out of the garage and get them set up on the house. And if you hire somebody to do it, it's going to, they're going to charge you like $1,000 or more to do it and it's a major hassle so you start thinking to yourself as the storm's approaching is it going to hit should i do it shouldn't i do it so last year i decided to put hurricane impact windows in throughout the house with laminated glass and um you know it wasn't inexpensive but but we did it and got rid of all the shutters which was great and so this year Hurricane Matthew was approaching the eastern east coast of the United of Florida and it was a big deal they thought it was going to hit West Palm Beach and it you know ultimately it didn't but I was on vacation in Morocco hiking when all this was going <laughs> on so you know obviously I'm concerned I didn't have a lot of connectivity I was I was texting my son and whatnot but the great news for me was we were good. All we had to do was make sure the doors were closed, doors and windows were closed and locked, and we were ready for it. And I have to tell you, the, the difference, the peace of mind, and the confidence that it gives you to have that passive protection all the time, and it's good for breaking and entering and whatnot, it really makes a lot of sense if you live in an area that, that needs something like that. You're, you're absolutely right. I um, I know when the storm is coming like that, you know, having lived in Florida since the uh, the late 90s, um, I've seen a lot of hurricane reports on the news. And when a storm is coming your way, there's a lot of other things to do. Um, having a plan if you need to evacuate for loved ones and pets. Um, if you're going to stay stocking up on your water and your food and all those things. So there's a lot of life gets really busy when the storm comes in. And if, if you don't have to put up hurricane shutters, um, that's one less thing to worry about. I know I can al also offer a uh, kind of a personal story here. Before my folks down south had gotten their, um, their hurricane windows in, they had shutters up. So uh, when my folks go north, um, I came down to help my father remove them. 
and he had the old uh, metal panels that screw in, which work very well. Um, they also tend to be very heavy at times and sometimes a little clumsy to handle. And I ended up dropping one of those on my foot. So about, um, you know, 30 minutes later and 14 stitches later, uh, I have a nice permanent reminder on my right foot of the benefits of uh, laminated glass versus uh, hurricane shutters. So um, definitely a uh, – and really a lot of the products are now become so much more affordable um, as far as windows go. And I think that anyone who either is a part-time resident or, let's face it, a lot of us travel for our jobs. And um, if we have our loved ones at home, uh, we might not always be able to get down there to um, to put up those shutters. So having laminated glass is, is absolutely good peace of mind. In 2004, I was in Seattle doing water testing on some hotel projects that were involved. It was an expert witness assignment. And I had my son with me at the time. Um, he was helping out. And I remember we went and paid a lot of money for a plane ticket, took the red eye home, which is not part of my normal DNA, and flew all the way back to Florida so we could put our shutters up. And it's insanity, basically. But the whole, the plane from Seattle to Atlanta was loaded with people going back to Florida for the very same reason. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's you know, as we, uh, I don't know, Paul, I'm in my mid-40s, and I really don't want to find any reason to get on a ladder if I can help it. Maybe to put up Christmas lights, but that's about it. But, uh, yeah, plus handling those panels and the weight of them, um, it's just a uh, laminated glass is a, is a much simpler solution. And is there a, more of an investment up front? Absolutely. But I think the, all the benefits that it provides um, just really make it a, a good investment. And then on the business side of things, you have – you have you know people that are that may be responsible for putting shutters up if you have shutters on your facility have families at home you have the same worry all the same worries we just talked about so it makes even maybe even more sense in commercial and multifamily applications you know not to mention when you get up in the air above the first floor to have the passive protection so that that's just one less thing to deal with because these things sneak up on you. I mean, I was in Morocco, clueless, and all of a sudden there's a hurricane about to wipe out South Florida, and I wouldn't have been ready for it. So it really, um, you know, it's, it's, it's compelling, I think. And the thing that they can, they can change their track so quickly and their intensity so quickly, um, I remember when, um, when Hurricane Wilma came through South Florida um, back a few years ago, as it was kind of off the coast, it really didn't look like anything that much. And then all of a sudden, it just ramped up into a, a pretty damaging storm. So, uh, yeah, there, you know, hurricanes were very good at uh, getting better at predicting where they're going to go and how strong they're going to be. But there's still a lot of randomness out there in, in chance. So uh, better to be protected. And, again, laminated glass is uh, one less thing to worry about when, uh, when that time comes. That's right. So, so for hurricane windows and doors and, and, and commercial buildings, lighting systems. What has to happen to actually become a hurricane window for, for a product to actually be a hurricane? And, and, and they use, by the way, hurricane proof. I hear hurricane proof windows, and that's not a good term. <laughs> and uh, in fact, Will Smith, who uh, works for GCI Consultants, just wrote a little blog article for us last week talking about the misnomers of, that, that people need to understand, even with the hurricane windows, that 
they provide protection, they keep the hurricane out, but that doesn't mean that they're shatterproof or anything like that. But let's just talk about what does it take to be called a hurricane, or to have a rating for hurricanes or, or windborne debris with a window or glazing system? So it, um, it basically is uh, two components. So we can talk about hurricane-resistant glass, I think is the better term. And like you mentioned, Paul, hurricane-proof indicates that the glass won't break. I've had, uh, you know, architects have asked me before, well, you know, if it breaks during the hurricane, then we have to replace it. I said, well, yeah, she'll have to replace that window, but it's better than replacing your entire building. Um, so when we're testing, we're basically looking at the framing system. Now, that could be um, most of my life is spent in the commercial segment. So that could be a curtain wall. That could be a storefront. That could be a fixed opening. Um, or it could be a residential uh, window. So when we talk about the testing, we need the framing portion and then the glazing infill that goes in it. And basically, the, the main part of the glazing infill is the laminate uh, or the laminate inner layer. Um, as, the, as the testing goes, glass, if it's annealed, heat strengthened, or fully tempered, it's not necessarily manufacturer specific. Um, you could be getting your glass from Cardinal or Guardian or Viracon or Old Castle, True Light, whoever. Um, it's the inner layer that has to be tested with a specific framing system. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll build a mock-up of this, and it's also going to be size dependent. So you'll have a given size. I know in the, in the commercial size of things, um, most people test up to about a 40-square-foot piece of glass. So let's say we have our 5 by 8 test specimen. Um, it's either going to be um, insulated laminate or just laminated glass. And there's two different tests, Paul, that we do. The first one is called large missile, and that's meant for any glazing that's from ground level to 30 feet in the air. And this is typically a 90-gauge PVB, or it could be a, um, a specialty um, higher-performing inner layer, um, an ionoplast material, or a composite uh, PVB. And basically during the test, it comp it's comprised of two components. The first is an impact portion, where they fire a, uh, a nine-pound uh, piece of two-by-four lumber at 50 feet per second, which is about 34 miles an hour, and they impact uh, the glass with that. And then the second test is the cycling, and that's the uh, basically to replicate hurricane winds that could last, you know, four, five, six hours as the storm moves through your area. And that requires positive and negative cycling of 4,500 cycles each, um, at varying degrees of the test pressure. And basically that impact and pressure test, if the glass makes it through that, it will be uh, determined to be have passed um, as a hurricane assembly. And so, again, we, we have to be cautious of not just putting any piece of laminated glass into any framing system. That piece of glass being the inner layer makeup must be tested specifically with that given framing system. That's a great point, too. The magic glass doesn't just make it into a hurricane window. It's got to go through this design and testing process, and then it's actually got to be um, approved, put into a product approval system. State of Florida would be one, and my, I know Miami-Dade County was the first one and still probably is, has a leadership position there as well. So people often ask me, you know, I want, I'm looking at getting window, new windows for my house or for my building, what do I do? Well, the first thing you start with is getting Florida Building Code or, or Miami-Dade product approval listing. 
and make sure that it's gone through all its testing and make sure that it meets the, the, the required wind loads for, for, for your project. That's correct. I often have, um, have had um, work with some architects on retrofits and, you know, they want to see if they can get away. And this typically doesn't happen in Florida because the market's been um, so developed down here. But, you know, hey, we want to remove this existing quarter-inch glass and put in hurricane glass in the same frame. Well, that's, that will certainly um, mitigate the potential damage, yet it would not be considered a hurricane-resistant system. Again, that word system means glass tested with a specific uh, framing system. The other thing I was thinking about when you're talking about the hurricane glass, what about tornadoes? I know there's not a certification program, but I've often thought, well, not thought, I know this, just it's in- instinctive, that you see these tornado. we're getting into tornado season, and pro- well, actually, it's in springtime, but it's coming up, and every year there's these horrible tragedies where towns get hit. You know, there, I remember Tuscaloosa, Alabama was one, and I'm trying to think the other was, I think, Kansas. And you had like hospitals that were badly damaged. And I've thought, wondered why, like if you have a hospital in Tornado Alley, why wouldn't you put in a hurricane type of window, which would, which would give you a much better chance of surviving, whether it's rated or not? Have you seen any that, projects where, where that's been done? Yeah, well, we have something down here. I mentioned the different um, large missile impact. We also have something down here in Florida called the Central Facilities. And those are what they uh, refer to as level E glass. And as I mentioned, um, the standard large missile test fires a nine-pound two-by-four at 50 feet per second. With the level E, that two-by-four is fired at 80 feet per second or about 55 miles an hour. And basically what that requires, Paul, is a, a hardier inner layer to handle that impact. Now, if you're going from that to tornado, a lot of the, there's a FEMA standard out there that I think they want the, the missile to be fired, the two by four, at something like 100 miles an hour. And that is an incredibly difficult um, test to pass. Uh, we have done, um, had worked with some of our partners to try to create double insulated makeups, um, basically creating almost like bullet resistant glass to be able to resist something um, like that, like a nine pound two by four at, at 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, as far as those buildings that are in, um, in Tornado Alley are subject to that, you know, if you get the right tornado hitting you, unfortunately, there's probably not much um, that that glass, you know, if you got talking a, um, a four or five tornado, it's just there's not really a whole lot of building material out there that can withstand that. Um, that said, laminated glass would do a long, would go a long way to mitigating some of that damage. Again, the idea of, of maintaining and, and keeping those broken glass pieces in place, adhere to the inner layer, and try to protect the um, the building envelope um, would certainly be a benefit um, in a lot of cases where where hospitals and first responders and folks like that, where their buildings are subject to a storm like that. Yeah, and I, I've just thought that the hurricane window probably works in a lot of other areas. It's not a fail-safe, but certainly a epic improvement over not doing anything. Absolutely, correct. And plus, again, a lot of the, um, the other benefits we talked about from laminated glass, uh, particularly um, acoustics, um, in a lot of hospital settings, that's an added benefit. And from a design standpoint, particularly a lot of the children's hospitals that we've seen that are going up 
um, architects are often using very bright colored windows interspersed amongst the curtain wall. And uh, again, you can accomplish all of those things with, uh, with laminated glass. So segues into my closing question, which is why, so for, so for the architect and owners, architects and owners that are listening to the Everything Building Envelope podcast, why should they use laminated glass? Well, I just think it, um, it provides so many different benefits. Um, and again, depending on the application you're talking about, but basically it's, it's an enhancement over, over standard flow class. Um, again, from a color standpoint, your, your palette of colors is completely opened up to you. As far as from a security standpoint, if you're designing for hurricane and you've got 90 gauge PVB in your building, guess what? You've probably got serious blast protection already in place as well, as well as very good acoustics as well as um, prevention of forced entry. So I think this one product just has so many attributes about it when applied to the architectural market that, you know, laminated glass is more expensive than, than regular glass. I mean, if you're comparing a one-inch insulated unit to an inch and five-sixteenths insulated laminating unit, um, you know, you're talking several dollars a square foot more. However, all these other benefits that come along with it you know, just give you a really good bang for your buck as a designer. And uh, I think we'll, we'll see this trend continue for the product, for the uh, projects that we see on the horizon. It's a very, very high performing glass system, basically. Yes. So, Bob, thanks so much for coming on. It was really interesting. It was insightful. It was thought provoking. I, I thought it was great. And it's really good to talk about this and let the listeners which they probably know some or some or some or a lot of this stuff, but to really be able to hear the whole picture and, and give them something to think about going forward. Well, Paul, I, uh, I appreciate you having me. And I, I did want to thank you for one thing that the fact that we're recording this on uh, November the 7th, you didn't ask me any political questions. So I, uh, <laughs> I thank you for that. I was waiting for one of those though. And the only thing I was going to add, was that um, something both sides of the aisle um, can kind of agree on here is that uh, actually uh, safe flex interlayers are used to protect um, our nation's most prized uh, charters of freedom, that being the, the Declaration of Independence, uh, the U.S. Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Um, all of those, if you go to the National Archive, are, you're going to view them beneath uh, layers of safe flex uh, laminated glass. So uh, a lot of applications perhaps you don't think of every day. Good stuff. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the Everything Building Envelope podcast. And this is Paul Beers. Till next time, so long. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more information on the Everything Building Envelope, previous episodes, show notes, bonus video content, and much more, check out our website, everythingbuildingenvelope.com.